Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk 087 106 is our WhatsApp number. Joanna Fortune is here once again for parenting. Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, Sean. Uh, here's your first question. I'm wondering if you could ask Joanna if there is something worrying about my daughter getting lost in a trance when watching TV. She's five and doesn't spend much time in front of the screen. She will normally watch an episode of something in the evening after dinner before getting ready for bed. However, when she's watching TV, she gets in a bit of a trance. She can't hear or see anything around her that's happening and you literally have to stand in front of her to break her concentration. My dad thinks it's worrying and said he's never seen another kid act like that. I'm now worried, but am I overthinking? I mean, look, when you're talking about her watching an episode of something at her age, you know, she's five, that's likely 10 to 20 minutes of TV in a day. It's not that much. Okay, just to put that in context, it's a small amount. And it's that I'm wondering if the trance is more linked to the time of day that she's watching it as opposed to what she's watching. Yeah. So it's after dinner, before getting ready for bed. It's at a time of day when she's winding down. When she's probably in that kind of sleepier state and it's easier to zone out, as you're describing here. So I would be interested if it's actually that she's tired. And then the other thing to hold in mind, especially around this age, is that for many young children, television can provide an introduction to, let's say, events, experiences, people, you know, different mm. themes that are very much outside of their own daily experiences. And that in itself is fascinating and absorbing because I'm seeing things like, wow, I didn't know that could happen or, oh, this is so interesting. So it can be really absorbing for children. It's absorbing for us adults. Yeah, of I've often been in a trance staring at Netflix for hours and end going, I'm no, I'm not watching anymore when it flags yeah. up that message. But we have to look at it that some children, especially around five, will get fully absorbed because it's just for lots of different reasons, different things that are variables that are contributing to that. Some of them will play while half watching or half play while somewhat watching. You know, they'll do a mixed approach to it. And some of them will use TV to get into discussions. Like they'll, you know, when you do the bedtime bit afterwards, you'd be like, well, and all of a sudden you've got these big questions that are coming that they've extracted from the TV show. I would say try watching it with her in that wind down period. So Mm. she's not sitting alone and naming and talking about what you're watching, you know, maybe at another day or the next day, begin when you're doing the play with her, you know, play out the themes that are in those shows using small world play, the little miniatures or role play in the characters that you're seeing or find some books of some of the shows. She Like if you're saying she wants an episode of a particular show, Maybe find some books that tend to have stories of episodes and you can read them together and explore it that way so that you're deepening her experience and helping her process what she's seeing. But I think watching it with her so that there's a cuddle and you're sitting alongside her. I think if she's on her own, tired, coming to the very end of her day, I think that's more likely why she's zoning out. Yeah. And kids can be, you know, like... They can be space cadets anyway. You know, they kind of go into your room and get ready and then you go in 10 minutes later and they're staring at a they're wall. They're def- you know? easily distracted. There's <laughs> yeah. no question about it. And often that works for us as parents. Let's yeah. be honest, we, we lean into, hey, look at this thing over here to yeah. distract and redirect <laughs> yeah. them. So, you know, when it suits us, we're all on board for that. But I'd, I'd say she's tired. Yeah. That's, she sounds I, tired when she's watching it. My daughter is eight years old with two older siblings, but for all intents and purposes, she's an only child most of the time. During the summer, 
summer. She was bullied by three older kids in her after school and we had to remove her for a week so the daycare could handle the issue. She was nervous returning to the daycare but was largely okay. Since then, she is hypersensitive to perceived slights and being left out. She has a really lovely class group and has two particular friends she's tight with. Any day they might choose to play with someone else or not choose her game, she gets very upset. I listen to her hurt, I tell her it sounds tough and I suggest her playing with someone else. Nope. She gets so angry and catastrophizes, e.g. she's no friend, she's all alone, etc. I try and soothe her and listen to its spiral into sobs and tears. This can happen three times a week. She's very popular. She always There's always a play date or party invite every weekend, but she doesn't see this. I don't know if I'm comforting her too much and making it bigger than it should be. It breaks my heart as she would literally give the shirt of her back to anyone who asked. Ah, the poor child. I mean... Mm. She's eight years old and, you know, really in that middle childhood stage where we do see a pronounced focus on justice and fairness, mm. particularly as it applies to me. Yes. OK, course, yes. be very clear about that. Um, no better than a child this age to say what's not fair, what's not right, all the injustices that are done. And she's had experience of unfairness and injustice in this bullying experience. And mm. it's been in her after school, you know, the place she goes after she's finished a day at school where she does her homework, I imagine, but she's also playing and interacting. Yeah. And that must have really threatened what would have been a safe place for her. Mm. So this is a very real experience. And it sounds to me like she's hurting. She's still very much hurting. And just because the bullying has stopped, it doesn't mean that the impact it's had has ended. That can still be very active. And I was really interested, you know, in this piece about um, she was kept home for a week. It was really significant what was going on here so that the daycare could handle the issue. But I was curious about that, like when it was being dealt with, was she a part of the resolution? You know, um, in terms of repair, you know, was was she mm. brought in? Was it just dealt with and she came back and it didn't happen again? Or was it that these children said sorry or that the daycare facilitators, if more appropriate, you know, that they were brought her in and said, look, we're really sorry this happened to you. This is what we did to fix it. And here's the plan if it happens again. You know, Was she a part of that? Was there some kind of active repair and closure around the piece or was mm. it just that she had a hard time was pulled out and then put back in when it was just magically dealt with in yeah, her eyes yeah so i think that's important that what happened to her needs to be acknowledged okay her experience mm. i do think you know given that this is still going on and you know it's really something that is happening three times a week is is a lot, you know, mm. that she's getting this distressed and you have this kind of logic that she is popular, she has playdate, she has friends. But when she's feeling wounded, it's wounding her deeply. She might benefit from a block of play therapy sessions that would just help her to process the hurt, the impact of that bullying experience so that she can move beyond it. Yeah. Because I think as a parent, you're doing, you know, look at your listening, you're empathizing. It sounds tough. You might be a little quickly moving to solution. Why don't you play with somebody else? But I totally get that. Yeah. You're doing all the right things. And really what she wants is I'm hurting. This is hard. I'm not over it. I'm afraid it's going to happen again. And I'm struggling. Because it sounds like her almost like the eight-year-old's worldview has been shattered. Absolutely. Even though it was one particular 
uh, group of kids, you know, who did this. She's applying, seems to be applying it everywhere. But it might have been her first experience yeah, of being confronted yeah. with the fact that kids could be mean. Yeah. And kids could be this unkind and could cause her this level of distress. And she may never have had that experience beforehand. Yeah. And now every slight and microaggression that kids typically do this age, where there's no malice or mean mm. intent, it's just they're doing their own thing from their own place is alarming her and triggering her back into, oh, it's happening again. So I just think she might need a little bit of extra help to process that experience. Yeah. Uh, Going back to the first question, uh, the little girl who goes into a trance, I hear a couple of my nieces do that too when watching the telly. A bomb would go off around them and they'd never notice. It just seems to be kids these days. Grania says, I used to do that as a kid, uh, the trance TV thing. I'm now a fully-fledged artist I think I was immersed in the creativity of TV, uh, says Grant. Absolutely. There you go then. Could be stimulating all kinds <clears throat> of ideas. Uh, I'm hoping you can help me accept my baby girl isn't a baby anymore. I'm married with two fabulous kids. One of my girls has just turned 10, but I feel like she's trying to be 18. Over the past six months, she's become obsessed with her looks, what she wears, how her hair is styled, what brand of clothes or shoes she has, because Dunn's just doesn't seem to cut it anymore. She has her Santa list written and it mainly consists of skincare products, brand items of clothes, makeup. I repeat, she's 10. I long for the day she'd ask for dolls, etc. and be thrilled. She's become so self-obsessed lately and always has to have the best of stuff. We don't give in to half of her demands, but I feel like I'm fighting a losing battle. I know she's growing up, but in my eye, she's only a child and is so innocent still in many ways. I hate her wanting to wear makeup, etc., but she just can't seem to want to grow up fast enough. She spends more time in the bathroom than I do and has a skincare routine each morning and night that would put any woman to shame. I find myself getting cross with her now over her never-ending Santa list that, in my eyes... It's filled with things only a teenager should be looking for. Can you please give me advice before my emotions ruin Christmas for us all? Oh, the emotions are running high, aren't they? Mm. But, you know, it's, it's look, at the Santa list thing is always a good place to start. I think, you know, as parents, it's no harm that we're really clear that Santa only brings things that he knows parents approve of. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And... If there is something on that list that parents don't approve of, Santa's not going to bring it. So I need to prepare you for that because he will know I don't approve of it. I also think it's no harm to set a limit on how many items. Write the list to your heart's content and now you're going to have to select from the list items. No harm to do categories, you know, with depending, you know, she sounds, you know, a little pseudo mature for her age. But generally, I would look at, you know, one thing they want, one thing they need, one thing to wear, one thing to read. Mm. It's a rhyme. You'll remember it, (laughs) you know, and it's good to give you four categories Mm. to go. We'll put something in each of those categories of the list and just manage that. I just think this letter is such a good example of how small the window of childhood is becoming. You know, know, these are really adolescent interests and pre-adolescent interests. And she's just turned 10. So we're not talking 10 about to turn 11, which is still young. But a list is an expression of all the things she wants, but it's not a list of all the things she's going to get. And that's really important. Wants are not the same thing. Um, And some of the items that you're listing off here would certainly for me fall into a category of luxury items. 
And, you know, they may be things that aren't appropriate for to ask Santa for. And she can work to earn money, do chores, do tasks, whatever you decide. And they're things that she could save and buy herself. They're not provided by Santa or even by parents or grandparents mm. or anyone else. So you might just want to put a boundary around that and manage expectations. I'm sure you are. And you're probably going, that sounds amazing. But <laughs> I'm shouting into the wind there, yeah. Joanna. So <laughs> I get it because you're also battling not just your 10 year old who thinks that she's 18, but what is she battling? Where is this coming from for yes, her? Yeah, I'm curious yeah. about peer influence. I'm curious if she's on any social media platforms. You know, where is she? What is she, Who is she mimicking or mirroring with this? And where is this influence coming from? I just think this whole piece, though, Sean, where it's like, you know, she wants to wear makeup. She wants to grow up so fast. Where's my baby gone? It's very relatable. Like it really is. A lot of parents are going to be going, oh, yeah, I feel this. But it's also a sign when we're having that question, when we're, we feel we're battling with she's pulling one way and I'm desperately trying to hold her back the other way. It is a sign that our parenting needs to grow up in line with their growing up. Now, it doesn't mean you go, sure, let's hit the salon. But I'm curious if you could find ways to playfully engage with her interests. You know, you could do a little spa day at home. Just cut up the cucumber, make a homemade mask. It's quite a sensory experience to do from scratch and just have a nice pamper, relax with her. It's a very nurture-based approach to play. Mm. Do mini mani pedis with her where you're doing the nails and while you're doing it, you're holding her hand or her foot. There's lots of nice sensory engaging touch involved in that. And you're doing it where you can talk and chat and be with her. So it's not a sense of her pulling away from you, but you're able to go, okay, you're interested in this. Let me meet you somewhere that feels comfortable, but we... I can be with you mm. in it. I think you've got to get interested in what's interesting her. Don't denigrate it. Don't dismiss it because it's just telling her that you're dismissing her. Yeah. Which, of course, you're not. But that's yeah. how it's going to land. I think as well, beyond Santa lists and things like that, involve her in traditions that you have as a family around Christmas, be that cards, decorating, what baking cookies, whatever it is you do involve her actively in that. So it's more than just asking for stuff. We sit and we write cards, we exchange, really giving her that more spirit of Christmas, I guess I'm saying. Um, you might even want to involve her in gradually start now and build it up like one grocery item a week into a grocery bag or a box that, you know, you can donate and bring her with you to be at a charity working with families experiencing homelessness, for example, or a shelter or something like that, just to kind of get her back in touch with it's not about I want, I want, I want, Yes, that yeah. there is more to this. And I don't mean it in a, you know, the three ghosts of Christmas Scrooge style. I, I mean it very much in let me just bring you into this other side of Christmas with me. It's not a punishment. It's not this big. I'll teach you about Christmas. It should be fun and pleasurable as well that we're enjoying doing this, but it helps to open up conversations about what Christmas is about. Yeah, it's because sometimes when they hit this stage, it can feel as if they're pretending to be suddenly more grown up than Absolutely. they were. And like they can do all this stuff and then, you know, sneak off and play with Barbies for half an hour. And, and I, I imagine you're and... getting those flashes as well that there's this, I am, you know, a woman of the world and yeah. that's why I really need you because I'm still very young. But I, I think it is that kind of approaching pre-adolescent phase. But it is, as you were saying, you know, it's almost role playing being yeah. older in lots of ways because it's not real. The only way that you can be 18 is by being all the ages in between yes. 10 and 18 first. <laughs> so it, there is a bit of that kind of, I'm, it's pseudo 
It's not real. Yeah, yeah, it is so that much kind effective. of pretend. Yes. Um, and there's a lot. But also, I don't want you pointing that out to me because I could experience that as quite shaming. You know, I feel I'm very grown up. So that's what I mean about finding playful ways to meet her in that. That is nurture play rather than so don't actually go to the salon for facials, but set up a little salon at home where you can do it with her. Yeah. Uh, someone says this happened to my daughter overnight. She changed from a baggy trousers PJ lover to a girl with eyelash curlers and face masks. No one else in the house is like this. She's 12 and puberty hasn't hit yet. I don't mind the makeup stuff, but I'm not liking the new materialism. She's in a family who hate the disposable cheap rubbish that comes with makeup and brand culture. I blame YouTube. Well, that's what I mean. What platforms are they yeah, watching and who yeah. is she? It's not even just the platform, but who is she watching on it? And if she's really admiring um, an influencer or a content creator who does a lot of this kind of beauty, fashion, brand mm. curating, then that's the influence that's playing out there. Yeah. Joanna, thanks a million. Thank As you. ever, Joanna Fortune there. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on Newstalk. Talk.